Hello, and welcome to the Summit Church Podcast. Our messages are designed to help teach and equip you on your journey to lead people to follow Christ. We hope that this message will inspire and encourage you, no matter where you are on your journey towards Christ. If you have questions, want to talk, or want to learn more about Summit, visit us at summitniles.com. Thanks for listening. We're in a series called Praxis, and it's, we're, we're, we're talking about filling the gap between theology and practice. One of the things I just talked to you about is that Pastor Bradley had to fill out a, a doctrinal statement. He, he, was, he was tested on, on eschatology and you know, all, all, of, all of his theology that, um, you know, from the doctrine of grace and um, you know, salvation and the work of the Holy Spirit and um, his, his views on Scripture and you know, the infer- in, um, inspiration of Scripture and all and the authority of Scripture, all of those things. And, and so we as Christians, are, are developing a, a theology. We're, we're developing uh, what we know about God. It's our, it's our theology. But it is another thing to put our theology into shoe leather, to, to live it out. And as we've sometimes um, had to admit in the past, we are, many of us, educated beyond our level of obedience. That we know more than we sometimes get lived out. We believe more than um, what our behavior shows. In fact, um, there are times, if left to our own, we, our own selfish desires, we, we become worldly. By the way, that's another reason why we need each other, iron sharpening iron. It's, it's another, one of the reasons why we gather together. When, when we become worldly, um, we, we tend not to love each other well. When, when we become holy, um, God gives us a love for others. We love each other more. God's grace frees us from self and sin, helps us to love one another. In fact, do this this morning. Um, just turn to someone this morning and say, I- I'm going to love you no matter what. Right? I'm going to love you no matter what. Now, some of you are taking this wrong. <laughs> I'm going to love you no matter what, right? We need each other, and we need God's truth, and then, and then we need to live it out. You know, just a practical example of God's love is in Jesus, before he ascended, he, he was with his disciples. And I love, you know, when somebody's about to leave you, those final instructions, well, oftentimes what you say last is, is the thing that matters the most. And Jesus, just before he ascended back into heaven, he looked at his disciples and said, a new commandment I give you. <laughs> a new commandment. And they're like, oh, what could that be? And the fact is, though, it wasn't new at all because the, the first commandment was love God with all your heart, soul, mind. Love your neighbor as yourself. And, and what he said was, I, I've given you a commandment to love one another. And so what is happening in our world today is we, we, need, we need to love others more. I'm not talking about cheap grace. I'm not talking about um, not being able to stand on truth, but how you deliver truth to a hurting, dying, lost world matters a lot. And so we need to learn how to love. And so we, we learn to love each other, I think, in our own little families and then in our church families, and we, we go from there. And so we're trying to take what we know and put it into practice. Our orthodoxy um, what we know, the, the, the truth that we're laying straight 
becoming orthopraxy. In fact, orthodoxy emphasizes correct belief, correct doctrine. Orthopraxy is correct behavior, conduct that is ethical based on what we believe. Correct belief that leads to correct behavior. James chapter 4 and verse 17 says this. If anyone then, I'm reminding you of this verse, anyone who knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, it is sin for them. That, by the way, is what we call sin of omission. If you know what to do and you don't do it, a sin of omission. Now, there's a, a sin of commission, things that we know we're not supposed to do, and we do them anyway. That's, that's another side of that whole piece where, you know, Scripture says, you know, we're, we're to live our lives and we're not, you know, do not murder, you know, and, and, you, and you commit murder. It is a sin, all right? So that's, that's a commission sin. But omission sins, if you know what is good to do and you don't do it, Scripture says, you can also be guilty of sin. We started off by talking about things, small things that make a big difference. Small things that make a big difference. And then we looked at life of Gideon from Judges 6. You have to have a proper view of self in situations. Gideon was a little confused about himself and his situation. And when you're confused about yourself and your situation, that is a lethal combination. Bad things happen, something bad about to happen. When you're confused about yourself and your situation, right? Last week, Pastor Fred talked about keeping the main things the main things from Hebrews chapter 12. The most important race of your life. To throw off sin. The things that hinder us. The things that entangle us. To run with perseverance. To fix your eyes on Jesus. Now, today we're, we're talking about another piece of what we, can, what we know and what Scripture talks about that we can put in practice. Today we're talking about procrastination procrastination. Don't put off until tomorrow what can be done today. Now, I don't know how many of your dads told you that, but everyone ought to have a dad who tells them that. Um, don't put off today, you know, don't put off to tomorrow what can be done today. And so what, what was he saying to me when he would say that? He said, listen, there's some things that you, 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 know, you know to do and you, you ought to be doing, and today's the day, it's timely, you have time, you should do it, um, it's important, it's valued, it's priority. You need to do that today. Procrastination. We're talking about filling the gap between our theology and our practice. There's some things in life that you can put off that don't matter. And there's some other things in life that if you put them off too long, the consequences are astronomical. And in some ways, it is not just, it's not just um, uh, procrastination. In some ways, it's, you, you, have to, you have to think through and prioritize some things, evaluate things, and then make those calls. I want you to see this in Luke chapter 12. Luke chapter 12, notice verse 54. You're saying, where in the world are we talking about procrastination in Luke, 4, in Luke chapter 12? Well, look at verse 54 and following. We're going we're gonna, to we're gonna mine this up out of here, okay? Um, Jesus said to the crowd, when you see a cloud rising in the west, immediately you say, it's going to rain, and it does. And when the south wind blows, you say, it's going to be hot, and it is. Hypocrites. <laughs> like, whew, what do we do? Right. Hypocrites. You know how to interpret the appearance of the earth and the sky. How is it that you don't know how to interpret, interpret this present time? Now, 
We're going to go on and finish those last few verses, but let me just give some context here. Jesus has come to earth. He has been born. Um, his, his mother, Mary, was a virgin. He had a father, Joseph, not a biological father, but he, he grew in wisdom and stature. He grew in, in favor with God and man. He came to a point in, in life where ministry, public ministry began. And so public ministry signaled the beginning of, of his ministry, this first miracle, Canaan of Galilee. He turned water into wine, and, and he began to, 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 to teach and to preach um, in, 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 a, in a formal, um, very public way. And yet what is amazing is you think about the incarnation, that God in human flesh... Uh, came to earth, and, and, and in, 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 in the form of, a, of, of an infant baby, Jesus Christ, he lived, he, he grew, he matured. The Messiah, God's anointed one, the one the prophets had foretold, was walking on the face of the earth. Astounding. Never before happened, and never since. And yet, all of those, he's, he's talking to his readers here. He said to the crowd, um, you have no clue who I am. The Son of Man, the one, the, the Messiah, the Savior has come. He said, you can predict the weather. You, you see a cloud, you know there's rain coming. You, you see the wind coming up from the south. Oh, it's going to be hot, the southern winds. He says, you know all of that. He said, but you have no idea. You don't know how to interpret the present time. I'm standing right in front of you. Now, um, when, when, when you, you, you look at that passage of Scripture, it seems pretty strong as well because he simply says, um, you're a hypocrite. You're a hypocrite. Um, the law and the prophets were things that you should have known, you should have been studying. It's an interesting word, this word hypocrite, because it, it's a word when, when they hear it, they're immediately thinking something other than what we're thinking. Now, when we think about a hypocrite, we're thinking about someone who, 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 who claims to be something, but there's something else. So it might be a Sunday Christian you know, who acts like they've got a touch of heaven on Sunday, but on Monday they live like hell, right? Um, it, it, we saw a hypocrite or someone who would say, um, you know, it would be hypocritical to say, hey, listen, um, you know, you ought to give an offering um, to the poor, but then that person never gave an offering. You know, someone would tell someone else to do it, but they wouldn't do it themselves, a hypocrite, right? But when they heard the word hypocrite, they immediately, in their minds, see, interesting, it's an interesting word. The word literally means to judge. But what it means is um, someone, a hypocrite is someone who would judge someone else but they wouldn't judge themselves. They wouldn't, they'd look at someone else and find out what's wrong or what they would criticize, but they don't look at themselves. It's a cool word. In Luke verse 57, he says, why don't you judge for yourselves what is right? Now, that's, that's interesting. He's just called them hypocrites. They're thinking to themselves, this whole thing of judgment, you know, not, you know we're, we're, we're judging others, but not judging ourselves. And then notice, notice verse 57, there's more judgment talk. He says, why don't you judge for yourselves what is right? As you are going, and then he tells a story. As you're going, 
with your adversary to the magistrate. So an adversary would be a plaintiff. Someone is taking you to court. Uh, that's the magistrate, the judge. As you're going with your adversary to the magistrate, try hard to be reconciled on the way, or your adversary may drag you off to the judge, and the judge turn you over to the officer, and the officer throw you into prison. I tell you, you will not get out until you've paid the last penny. Now, there's the procrastination piece. Did you see it there? He said, you're on your way. You're on your way to see a, a magistrate. You're, you have an adversary who has is, who is come along and, and accused you of something, that you owe them a debt, and you're on your way, and, and it's going to go in front of a judge, and he's going to make a ruling, and, and, and you know the plaintiff already knows you owe money. You know you owe money. The judge is soon going to find out you owe money, and there's a, there's a judgment coming. And what the judgment's going to be is guilty. He's going to hand you over to the officer. The officer's going to put you in prison. That's how it's going to be. And here's the procrastination piece. He said, while you're on your way, you'd be much better off not to wait till you see a judge, not to wait till you're declared guilty, not to wait until you're, you're, you're you know, already in the slammer, but instead, you ought to work out a deal before you get there. Do you see that? As you're going with your adversary magistrate, try hard to be reconciled on the way. Be reconciled on the way. Webster, he said, don't procrastinate. Don't procrastinate. Webster defines procrastinate as follows, to put off intentionally or habitually, intentionally or reprehensively the doing of something that should be done, to put it off. What you know to do, but you refuse to do it, something you're inclined to do and you should do. You know, you should, you should try to work something out with, with this person that's taking you to court so that when you get there, you don't fall you know, in the hands of, of a judge who is going gonna, is gonna to judge you guilty because you already know you're guilty. You're, you already owe this debt. You need to not procrastinate. Someone did a survey a long time ago, and it was um, 98% of the people in any large congregation or audience, 98% have experienced procrastination at one time or the other. The other, the other 2% haven't gotten around to thinking about it yet. <clears throat> Someone else wrote this. They said, procrastination is my sin. It brings me nothing but sorrow. I know I should stop it. In fact, I will tomorrow. Right? Look, sometimes, <coughs> excuse me, sometimes I've allowed circumstances in my life to press me to the point where I don't listen to the still, small voice of God. The Holy Spirit prompts me to do something or to say something. And if I'm not careful, the noise of the world can drown that out. Then somebody comes to mind. Um, you need to call them. You need to stop by. You need to talk to them. Send someone a note of encouragement. And sometimes, if we're not careful, I know it's happened to me where I procrastinate. I said, I'll do that tomorrow, only to find out later that I should have been there or I should have said something. It's an awful feeling. It's wonderful to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit, to be sensitive to God Almighty when it comes to serving Him, so that when He speaks to us about saying a word of encouragement to someone, 
calling on someone, you know, call them on the phone to encourage them or minister to them in some way, that God calls us to, to serve, that we hear his voice and we respond. And we don't procrastinate. That's a wonderful feeling. Procrastination. He said, you know, <laughs> just a practical situation. No, he's, he's talking about, you know, hypocrites, judgment. He's, 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 he's talking to them about, look, if you, if, if you would have been doing what you were supposed to be doing, if you weren't procrastinating, if you'd have been le- reading the prophets, if, if you'd have been, you know, in the Old Testament, if you, if you knew the law and the prophets, you'd, you'd know all of those, those prophets foretold that I was going to be here. You procrastinated. You had other things to do. You were too, you know, too busy, too much other stuff. You pushed, but you didn't pay attention. If you would have read, you would have known. If you would have listened to the prophets, you would know that I am here and I'm standing right in front of you and you know who I am, but you didn't do it. He said, you pushed it down the road and now you're missing the most important thing. He uses the story of, of, of debt and he says, if you push it down the road, you may end up in jail. Procrastination. Do you know there's a procrastination club? The Procrastinators Club of America is based in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Here's their philosophy. They, their purpose is, is to promote the philosophy of relaxation through putting off until later those things that needn't be done today. That's their philosophy. Established in 1956. I'm not sure when the idea came up. They probably procrastinated. But it was established in 1956 by Les Wass was his name. And he, he was the acting president until 2011. He had over 6,000 members for the Procrastinators Club of America. They, they published a newsletter called Last Month's Newsletter. <laughs> um, yeah. In a magazine article that I read this last week about procrastination, um, there was this example of uh, what, what would characterize procrastination. And, and they asked these questions. They said, you know, you might be a person who's dealing with procrastination if, if these are some of your issues. So do you always hand in work at the deadline or later, but never early? Early. You might be a procrastinator. Now, I know there's people who say, well, listen, I, I just work better toward the deadline. You know, I love that pressure, whatever, and I know i got to do it. So, yeah, whatever. Um, do, do you, here, here's another question. Do you, do you put off beginning a diet until sometime in the future and then change the time? All right. Do you use fatigue or headaches as a reason for not getting things done? You feel too tired. You don't feel good enough to get it done. Or here's another one. You fill up your daily schedule with lots of small, often unimportant things so that you don't have time for the big thing that you're trying to avoid. Do you delay? See, sometimes I play a game with myself. So listen, I, um, <clears throat> it is hard for me to tackle certain projects if I don't have... Um, other things kind of cleared out of my way. I, it, it's a problem I have in my brain. All right, I, I'm not telling you it's good. It's just my, how my brain works. So, if I have a bunch of things, you know, nagging and, and gnawing at me, um, it's hard for me to focus on on things that take mental capacity. Um, so, what I have to do is create lists. Uh, I have to make sure that I haven't missed something. You know, so I have to create lists, and sometimes it's on, um, you know, my phone. It's, it's probably the, the most of the time that I do it now. I create a list, and I, so I can empty that off so that I, I can get, 
I have to prioritize. I can't procrastinate on some things. There's deadlines that I, that I have. Here's another one. You delay in seeing a doctor about symptoms because you hope they'll go away. You might be suffering from procrastination. Here's the thing we know about procrastination. It's a thief of your time. Someone has said this, hard work is often the easy work you do not do at the proper time. Hard work is the easy work that you don't do at the proper time. It was easy when, if you did it in the right time, but now that you've procrastinated, it becomes hard work. Procrastination makes us think we're in control of tomorrow. Ah, I'll do it tomorrow. You know, um, I don't have to do it today. I can kick it in tomorrow. Who guarantees you tomorrow? How do you know tomorrow's coming? Procrastination. Procrastination is a thief of opportunities. My dad used to say, the early bird gets the worm. And what he meant was, listen, there's times that, you know, you've got to get up and out of bed. There's, a, there's a, a verse of Scripture that he memorized, and he made sure I knew it enough, heard it enough that I memorized it. It's, it's in the Old Testament. A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands. And it leads to disaster. Scripture in the Proverbs, it says, that, and, and, it, and it'll lead to your ruin. Little sleep, little slumber, little folding of the hands. Next thing you know, you're going to be starving to death. You, you push things off. You push things back. It's a thief of your opportunities. What's interesting in Greek mythology, and I love this example of Greek mythology, especially in this day when, um, you know, the mullet seems to be in style or in fashion, right? Greek mythology had this going way on before. Um, Greek mythology portrays the image of, of time, um, just opposite of, of a mullet. The mullet, that's the party, you know, uh, you know, business on the top, party in the back. Greek mythology, they would say there would be long hair in the front, totally bald in the back. That's how they portray time. There's someone who had all their hair on the front, but none in the back. And the idea was that if you wanted to catch someone, you had to catch them in front, because by the time they went by you, there was nothing to grab, Right? Oh, you guys are going to go mow off your mullets because you don't want to get grabbed from the back, right? Paul urges in Philippians, I'm sorry, Ephesians 5, he said, redeem the time. Procrastination also gets us further and further behind. You see, once you push something off, you keep piling stuff up, keep piling stuff up, and, and, and then today's tasks become the stuff that you have to do tomorrow, but tomorrow's stuff is still there too. The wait becomes worse the longer we wait. W-E-I-G-T, W-E-I-G-H-T, the wait becomes worse the longer we wait, time-wise. We all procrastinate at some point, some more than others. The Bible, you might be interested to know, has lots of places where it addresses this issue. Proverbs 6 says, Go to the ant, you sluggard. Consider its ways, be wise. It has no commander, no overseer, overseer or ruler. Yet it stores its provision in summer. It gathers its food at harvest. How long will you lie there, sluggard? When you, when you get up from your sleep, a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands, and poverty will come on you like a thief, and scarcity like an armed man. The book of Haggai, chapter 1 Verse 2 
and following says this. This is what the Lord Almighty says. These people say, the time has not yet come to, to rebuild the Lord's house. Haggai, the prophet, said, listen, here, this, here's what God has commanded you to do. And it's not any time yet. They were too busy building their own houses, their own paneled houses, that they didn't have time to do. They didn't want to do what God had called them to do at the time. Yeah, just push it down the road. The Lord says in verse 5, give careful thought to your ways. Give careful thought to your ways. Let me just quickly identify some causes. Someone identified a list of causes of procrastination and I think probably most procrastination is because of one of these five reasons. One is indecision. Indecision causes procrastination. You can't make up your mind and so you don't do anything. You're stalled out um, because of indecision. When you can't make up your mind, you, you postpone a decision. And so it could be, it, it could be something as simple as buying a car or um, you know, choosing a college. Some people, they, can't, they couldn't, you know, indecision, procrastination. Um, for Pete's sake, propose already, right? You know, can't even get married because, you know, of indecision, procrastinating. Uh, can't get started on a project, indecision. Another one is perfectionism causes, is a cause of procrastination. If you're waiting for everything to be perfect, then you're never going to start. Forget dating, because there aren't any perfect people out there. Forget churches, because there aren't any of those out there either. Forget jobs, because there's no perfect jobs out there either, right? I mean, the only people that have perfect jobs that I know of are, you know, Pastor Caleb, Pastor Chuck, Pastor Bradley. I mean, it's the only ones I know of. Um, there are no perfect jobs. But perfectionism is a cause of procrastination. Uh, fear is another one. Fear causes procrastination. Count the cost. But sometimes people are, instead of, instead of faith, they're bound up by fear. They're afraid of something. There's a tendency to put it off. So people will procrastinate going to a dentist. You know? People are afraid what they owe, and so they, they procrastinate tax preparation. People are afraid of the time that it will take to, to get all their paperwork together and to, to file and, and all that kind of stuff. People are afraid of the IRS. Now, that could be valid here in the days ahead. That could be valid. Stubborn attitudes cause procrastination. You see... One of the things about, we know about procrastination is um, sometimes people who are, procrastinate, who are procrastinating are people who are just resisting authority or even resisting, they don't want to be controlled by anybody. They, they resist being controlled. Procrastination can be, can be passive resistance. Procrastination um, also can be caused by laziness. Some people don't like to work very hard. Um, they, they, they want life to be easy. If, if, there's a, <clears throat> if there's five guys standing around on shovels and somebody has to dig a hole, if you wait long enough, somebody will probably go do it and you won't have to. You just procrastination. By the way, that's, that's not a good witness. 
dig the hole, right? Laziness. I think that's one of the reasons why when enhanced unemployment became a thing during COVID, people didn't go back to work because it was easier to stay home and be paid than go to work and be paid. They didn't like that. True. In the case of the merciless servant, in the New Testament, Jesus told a story about a merciless student. Point was the debt could never be paid off. No one was ever going to be able to live hard enough, long enough to pay off the massive debt he owed. I'm going to focus our attention back here on this. You've seen, what he says is, try hard to be reconciled. Don't procrastinate. You've got something you're about to face. You're you're about to face debtor's prison. Don't procrastinate. The case of the merciless servant, same thing. There was no way that that servant was ever going to pay back um, what he owed. And in this case, the debt was was so great, it would never pay it off. And what does Jesus say? Um, Don't procrastinate. On your way to the courthouse, don't procrastinate. You, you know what the sentence will be. Wouldn't it be better off to work out a deal before you get to the judge and get thrown into prison? If you're going to ignore reconciling with your adversary on the way to the courthouse, you're going to regret it forever in the jailhouse. Work out a deal so that on, on the way that you can be free from the debt. The point Jesus was making was this. The truth is, everyone, listen to me, you and I, everyone who has ever walked the face of the earth is on a trip to the courthouse. We're walking toward the courthouse. Jesus is making his point. He said, listen, I am here. I am the Messiah. I am God's only son. Because you procrastinated and didn't even study hard enough to know who I am, when I showed up in the flesh, you couldn't figure it out. Let me just tell you a story about a judge in a courthouse. Don't procrastinate. Don't wake up. The truth of the matter is you and I are all on a journey to the courthouse. We all have sinned. We're all guilty. And worse than that, we have an adversary um, who we owe money to. You say, you know, God, God is our adversary. He, 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 we owe him our lives. All of sin falls short of the glory of God. The wages of sin is death. You say, well, God's not my adversary. Well, Romans 5 verse 15 says, For if while we were God's enemies, before we were Christian, before we were part of the family of God, we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son. How much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through this life? You see, we were God's enemies. But, before we were, but, we, but since then, we've been reconciled through Christ. And we're all going to stand before the judge one day, and the judge is God. And there's no negotiating with the judge. God is not a nice old grandpa saying, when we stand in front of him, saying, okay, you know, what, 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 what did you do wrong? You think that somehow a defense of your life or the deeds of your life will get you acquitted. You are hopelessly lost. According to Scripture, you have no clue who God is or what he is like. You can't debate with God. There is no winging it. There's no working it out. People today have the wrong view of God. Could it be that we underestimate Judgment Day? Do you know what it would be like to stand before God? Even the angels, Scripture says, hid themselves when they were in His presence. 
with their wings that covered their faces, their feet, their bodies. They, 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 the, the best they got out was they cried, holy, holy, holy. The moment you stand before God, nothing else will matter except what matters to God. That's the most important thing you need to do before you stand before God. What is it? What do you need to do before you see God? Don't procrastinate. Are you... Don't procrastinate. Because if God is speaking to you about something today, when you leave this room, here's, here's what I believe, that the world, the world will run up the volume on lots of other things and he's going to drown out that will drown out his still small voice. The one that's talking to you right now. Commercials, have you noticed the commercials are louder than the program? What do you need to do and not procrastinate before you stand before an almighty God? Once you know what is right to do, don't put it off any longer. If you've not confessed your sin and been saved by the blood of Jesus, then that's the most important thing for you to do before you stand before Jesus. Your decision to follow Jesus is the single most important decision you'll ever make in this life. Don't put it off. Maybe you believe in God. Well, even, even the demons believe in God. It's just that they've not been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. They, they haven't put their faith in, in, in Jesus Christ to save them. They believe that he exists. That They're, they're not about to, 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 to yield their life to him nor, or accept his free grace in their life. Don't put it off. You've made a decision to repent, turn from your sin, follow him. There's a moment in our life when God speaks. Isaiah 55 says it this way, Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him when he's near. So, well, isn't the Lord available all the time? Isn't he omniscient, omnipresent, you know, omnipotent? Yes. But listen to the message of Isaiah. Seek the Lord while he may be found. There's a time when God speaks, a time when his voice is being heard. It's a moment that, that you need to respond in that moment. Well, isn't he always near? Yes, he's always near. But we're not always as sensitive to his nearness as we are now. When God, by the Holy Spirit, brings us sensitivity to his nearness, it's at that moment that we respond. Not tomorrow, not tonight, not later, but now. And if you've recognized today that you've never trusted Jesus as your Savior, never invited him into your life, never confessed your need of him, confessed your sin, asked him to forgive you, accepted his free gift of eternal life, then that's the decision you must make now before, as you hear his voice. You need to, you need to don't, don't hesitate, don't delay. Before you stand in front of the judge, make sure that you, you have worked that out. There is only one deal. There's only one way uh, to heaven. It's through, through Jesus Christ. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. Unless you believe in me, you're going to perish, Jesus said. While the Spirit of God speaks to you in this moment, receive God's grace in your life. 2 Corinthians 6, 2 says, I can tell you, now is the time of God's favor. Now is the day of salvation. It's the moment when you receive Christ. I'm going to invite the team to come. They're going to lead us in our last song. Let me ask you this question. Maybe you've accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. You know that's settled. You know that when you stand before the judge, God Almighty, you have not procrastinated. You, you, have, you have accepted Jesus Christ. You know that there was a day coming. You were headed to the courthouse, and you knew. You, 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 you trusted in Jesus Christ, the only hope that we have. But maybe today you're putting off something else. You're procrastinating something else. Maybe you're putting off 
procrastinating on working a relationship out with someone. Don't put it off. Maybe you're putting off starting what you know you need to start. Don't put it off. Maybe today you're, you're putting off stopping something that you know that you need to quit. Maybe the Spirit of God is calling you to, to love people again because you've just been honked off so many times. And every time you open your computer or jump on Facebook, you have a whole bunch more reasons why you don't want to love anybody anymore. And for you, the Lord might be calling you to love people and you're just kicking it down the road, procrastinating. some of you you're part of God's army you served you were in a war you got hurt there was triage we're in a battle that's what happens there's a wide road that seems easy but you're not going to like where that goes there's a narrow road that's hard It'll cost you. You say, well, I don't want to serve again. And you're just kicking it down the road. Don't procrastinate. Maybe there's somebody you need to talk to. The psalmist in 119 verse 60 said, I made haste and did not delay to keep your commandments. Don't be someone who's willing to judge everyone else but unwilling to judge yourself. That's the ones Jesus called hypocrites. He said, whatever you do, try hard to be reconciled on the way. Closing illustration from the American Revolution. Historians record this experience that happened between Colonel Rawl, commander of the British troops stationed in Trenton, New Jersey. He was playing cards and a messenger came and had a urgent message for him to, to read, but instead of noting what the message was, he stuck it in his pocket and he continued to play until the game was done. When he finished, he, he procrastinated. When he finished, he reached in his pocket, he pulled out the note, and the note simply said, warning, General George Washington is crossing the Delaware River. Roll put the letter down, realized the seriousness of the situation. He hurriedly tried to rally his men to meet the coming attack, but his, his, his um, procrastination was his undoing. He and many of his men died. They were killed, and the rest of the regiment was captured. Someone 
commenting later on that piece of American history, simply said this, only a few minutes delay, but it cost him his life, cost him his honor, and it cost him the liberty of all of his soldiers. Earth's history is strewn with the wrecks of half-finished plans and unexecuted resolutions. Tomorrow is the excuse of the lazy. It is also the refuge of the incompetent. Don't put off till tomorrow what you can do today. Whatever the Spirit of God is leading you to do, do it. And on your walk to the courthouse, are you ready to meet the judge? So Heavenly Father, lead on. We will follow. We will do whatever you say by your grace. Help us, O oh God, to be people who don't put off what you've called us to do. Delayed obedience, someone has said, is disobedience. Your word says, if we know the good that we ought to do and don't do it, then sin. Help us, O oh God to be the people who will say yes to you. Thank you for joining us for this message from the Summit Church Podcast. Again, if you have questions, visit us at summitniles.com. Now go and be the church in the world.